This is The Parable, musings on design, faith, and life with Stephen Olmsted. It's May 27th, 2021. Three years later. Well, it's been almost three years exactly since I've published something on here. And in my last episode entitled Saying No to Say Yes, I mused on the importance of drawing boundaries to our commitments, both professionally and personally. And I had made a point at the time to say that as human beings, we are temporally limited, right? So God has given us each a set amount of time, no more and no less than that. And the core of my exhortation was to spend the time well on the things that matter most and not to get caught in the trap of saying yes to everything asked or implied of you. Well, that message was perhaps a little too convicting for me personally, because immediately following that, I found myself in a difficult place. I wanted to produce more episodes for this podcast, but I found that for that particular time in my life, saying yes to building out more episodes meant compromising in other areas of life, areas that I was unwilling to put second. More focused time with my wife and kids, deeper investment in our local church body, and a fuller focus on my responsibilities at work. So the decision to pause and not publish any new episodes was a right choice, but it was also a difficult one as I felt like I had finally landed on a form of output that was beneficial for getting thoughts out in in some sort of shareable format. And also it was frankly cathartic. So in the three year span between my last episode and this one, a lot has obviously happened. Rather than trying to bullseye this episode on any one particular topic, I'm going to go on a bit of a big meandering journey to provide more of a high level of some updates on what's been going on in my life and our family's life during a time of what may look like to many as a form of internet radio silence for me. So I'll just jump right in. About two and a half years ago, we moved to a new house, which was an incredible blessing. And it's likely to become, as far as my wife and I can tell, our our long-term home for raising our children in. Sadly, this meant saying goodbye to the trailer office I had set up in our previous home, which you can hear more about on an episode entitled Using a Trailer as a Home Office. Um, but it was it was hard to bid farewell to a space that I had invested so much time into restoring and where I'd spent a lot of really great working years there. But in the end, you know, it was just a space. Uh, it served its time and its purpose. But uh, given a chance to build a trailer out as an office again, I wouldn't hesitate to do it. It was a great decision for the time and place that I was at. And I still stand by my position that it can be a great solution for many folks out there who are looking for a flexible, affordable office space especially in a time when so many people are working from home. Uh, With regards to our new home, we could not ask for a better neighborhood. The house is great, but the neighborhood is is really amazing. There's a sense of community here. Um, We we walk as a family multiple times a week at night, and this always leads to conversations with strangers, and those strangers really aren't strangers because they're our neighbors, and those neighbors quickly become friends. And, you know, we've had a lot of people in our home every week. And the credit to this is due almost entirely to my extremely hospitable wife who labors to care for people well and ensures that we have a steady stream of new guests in our home uh, from many different areas of life. Obviously, this was a little harder to do during the height of COVID, but prior to that and now as we're coming out of that, 
uh, we've really enjoyed a renewed sense of engagement with our community. Uh, it's, it's been a time of purposeful shifting for our family to become much more intentional about our pursuit of an investment in people. And really, you know, that's something that we saw Christ doing regularly during his ministry here on earth in the culture of his day. He engaged with all different types of people, broke bread with people, and was present in, in people's lives locally. So as much as I've enjoyed the connection to others over the internet, and I still will and do, uh, in a lot of ways, I've kind of backed myself off of some of that digital engagement to uh, somewhat of a degree over the the past three years. And this may sound odd in some ways for someone who is a self-described tech nerd, you know, someone who's always prided themselves on being on the edge of technology. Yes, I am still that same digital entrepreneur. I still very much enjoy new gadgets and technical innovations and the ease of connection that comes from networks online. But, you know, I've also rediscovered an aching need to rekindle that deeper, more physical engagement with the world around me. And this realization didn't land as one single deciding moment in my life. Rather, it was uh, sort of the slow drip, drip, drip over months and years. And about four years ago, I found myself beginning to wane in my desire to engage on Facebook. And with every passing week, I reached for it less and less. Eventually, I deleted it from my phone entirely. And today I have an active account technically, uh, which I check maybe a handful of times a year. But in effect, I'm disengaged from it as a network device, as an interaction device with others. More recently, I've noticed a similar effect with my engagement on Twitter, something I'd always held especially dear and valuable. And don't get me wrong, I, I have really enjoyed my engagements on Twitter for the most part. And it's been a vital part of unlocking some key business opportunities and, and some great friendships. And it'll always play a role, but I've also found that it was becoming a distraction in my life to some degree, Uh, something that I almost didn't want to admit, right? It it had started taking on the feeling of a mosquito, you know, something that was always there, but kind of annoying um, and distracting versus the old warmer kinship I had felt for it. So, you know, I, I don't plan to disengage entirely with Twitter. I still find it a very valuable connection point in my life and for business, but I've made some moves to distance myself from it as a primary place of engagement for me in this life. And that's, you know, that's just for me. That's, that's personally a conviction that I've just been growing in. Um, you know, I've, I've worked remotely in some fashion for nearly 15 years at this point. I wouldn't readily change that setup at all. Uh, that's been an immense blessing to both myself and to my family. I believe in remote work. I actually think it can be one of the healthiest and most beneficial setups there is. So that's one thing I'm really excited about for the world to get more exposure to. to. And one of the positive things that I think may have come out of the pandemic is the exposure to remote work and the realization that there's a lot of different ways to work than what we previously thought. But I do think that there's a difference between working remotely to make an income and engaging remotely in one another's lives. So In my mind, it's great for work, but much more difficult for relationship building. It's not impossible. We do that all the time at work, and you just have to work extra hard that way. And that really just sums up the past three years for me, right? I want to have a deeper investment occupationally online and digitally, and a deeper investment relationally offline with a deeper engagement in our local community. 
Uh, speaking of work, my job continues to be an immense blessing. About two and a half years ago, I jumped into a chief of staff role. Prior to that, I was leading product. Um, and th this was something I was nervous but excited about at first. I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Um, turns out I love this type of role. I'd, I'd go as far as to say that this type of work in the chief of staff role has been one of the best fits for me in my career to date. So praise God for that. My day-to-day my -day work is essentially extending others' reaches, uh, taking their visions and innovating and finding a way to realize their visions. Um, I get to look at things at a high level, a high executive view, while not having to bear the brunt of the stress and intensity often um, that executives have to with those loads. So in effect, I'm a right hand. That's the best way I can describe it as a right hand role, a sort of executive helper, someone whose sole mission in business is to think like an executive, but to not be the executive, to extend the executive, to help ensure others are successful while quietly fading into the background myself. And really, if I've done my job right, you'll barely even notice that I'm there. This feels like such a great fit. And in many ways, it mirrors my approach to life as well. So that makes a lot of sense. As a father, as a husband, as a church member, I've always just really loved helping others to be faithful to their calling. And I'm not the type of person that has an innate desire for frontline leadership or figurehead leadership. I don't mind embracing that role for a season of life, and I will happily undertake it when I'm called upon if it's for the good of the whole, but I don't pursue it by default. So I've really, really enjoyed being challenged to become the best right-hand person that I can be vocationally. Uh, and, I, and I've made a point of studying historical figures who have excelled at this as, as well, which has been really fun. You know, have somebody like Abraham Lincoln, who's super well-known, uh, but he had his right hand, William Seward, you know, which people know tend to know a little less about. In the Bible, you know, you've got somebody like King David, who had Jonathan as a friend and a right hand. So I've become fascinated with this sort of figure behind the figure narratives and learning from those those folks that kind of played in the shadows a bit more, uh, counterposing the the people that you know a little bit more. So I'm, I'm not really sure where my occupational path will lead in the years to come, you know, by specific role, but it feels really good to have a more of a theme pegged out, to know what type of work I really enjoy. Um, and to know that I'm right where I need to be right now, which is also great. So I'm excited about where I'm at, and I'm also excited to think about what the future will hold. On the spiritual front, there's been a lot of change and continued growth. So God continues to be so faithful to our family, uh, showing us day by day that the grace of Christ is so much bigger than we ever realized. Um, you know, as, as we continue to mortify sin in our own lives, we're just marveling at how massive the gap is that Christ crossed for us through his death on the cross. Uh, a big move for us was two and a half years ago, we began attending a new church. This was not a move that we would have anticipated or asked for personally in any way, to be honest, having attended our previous church for 19 years. So it was, it was really hard to make that decision to leave and attend a new church. However, God has, in his mercy, been so kind to us. You know, the, the timing and the circumstances were such that this move became, for us, uh, at least a, a significant but very painful decision that we felt we had to make. And I'd even go as far to say that this decision probably ranks as one of the top three hardest decisions I've had to make in my life. That's how crucial the local church plays uh, a role in our life. But all this said, I'm, I'm also grateful to report that the kinship with our previous church body remains intact and strong. 
those relationships that we built over 19 years and God was so good to give us continue to stand in our life as some of the deepest friendships we have uh, and have been privileged to engage in. And we still engage with. We still see many of our dear friends from that body very regularly. So that's a, a blessing to be able to, while we say farewell to weekly gatherings with them, we also embrace arm to arm and encourage them as they encourage us. And how amazing it is to see the goodness of God played out in the local church body. That's a big theme for me. Um, having found that specifically to be the case in, in the past two and a half years, our family has found ourselves loved and challenged by the leadership of our church in amazing ways. There's really a deep emphasis on what I would call soul care here, specifically a calling out for us to be shepherds of our own hearts well before the Lord. And there's this uh, sort of diligent, deep, intense discipline of studying God's word within this local body. Both my wife and I have found ourselves drawn deeper than ever into the truths of scripture in our daily devotions, in our family dinner devotions, and even multiple points of contact with church members throughout the week. Our, our church elders have poured into us a, a sort of deep sacrificial love. Uh, they really have showed us what it looks like to mimic Christ-like service. And, and I've personally been on the receiving end of some just incredible training and counsel over these past years, which has humbled me. Um, most recently completed a, a training program for men within our church. Uh, it's, it's somewhat of a pre-seminary sort of thing, sort of engagement uh, that goes on to uh, exhortation to deep practical Christian service while also diving into some of the more nuanced hermeneutical training that, that uh, pastors might get. So kind of a taste of what seminary would be. And the capstone of this nine-month course was participatory participation to preach a sermon. So my particular passage that I preached on this year was Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5, a passage about biblical restoration and burden bearing within the context of the local church. I actually might uh, post that as a separate episode uh, a little bit later in case anybody's interested in in hearing that one. And uh, one of our dear elders spent the entirety of this nine months equipping us with tools and methodology for digging deeper into the truths of scripture. As we prepared our sermon, we looked at the historical context of our passage. We sentence diagrammed the text to expose as clearly as possible the grammatical original intent of the passage. And really all this gave me just an immense respect for the work that expository preachers put into their exegesis of the passages of scripture that they prepare each and every Sunday. It takes a lot of diligence to faithfully remove your own preconceptions and sinful biases from the text and to really just let Scripture stand on its own. And the result of proper handling of Scripture is both powerful and convicting, right? The, the preacher is just the messenger. They're just preaching the message, not their own words. On our kids' front... Our three kids continue to grow at astounding rates, <laughs> and I'm, I'm reminded of just how quickly life can pass you by. And for that reason, my wife and I are committed to investing in our kids now while they are young. Uh, that means taking purposeful time out just to be with them. Uh, family vacations are a priority, and we try to undertake at least two meaningfully long trips a year with our kids. And by meaningfully long, I mean about a week in, in length each. And we also do several other smaller engagements throughout the year, such as an occasional weekend trip, 
Uh, and we also try to find uh, one-on-one engagements with our kids. Those are actually critical. So we do those in the form of a sort of parent-kid date uh, with regularity. And we remove the other members of the family, right? So it's just one parent, one child. And this has been incredibly rewarding. Um, when you're engaging with your kid one-on-one, I, I truly feel like you get a different layer of engagement with them that's unique and really only happens in that setting. And I, I find that incredibly rewarding. Um, it's been great to witness their growth uh, as they continue to grow into lovely individuals. Uh, our, our great prayer, of course, for each of them is that they continue to find their hope and trust in Christ. And I'm encouraged to see some evidence of that now in, in some of their lives. But of course, only Christ can give them a new heart. And so we're going to just continue to be faithful to raise them, uh, exposing them to the gospel and uh, praying that God would open their hearts to the truth of his gospel message. So that's really the update for now. A little bit of a smattering all over the place, certainly in a, a abbreviated version of the past three years, uh, trying to cram a lot in a little space, but I think it hits the high points well. Uh, the, the one thing that I didn't really touch on was uh, some of the political unrest and societal upheaval that I'm sure all of us are abundantly aware of, particularly that's happened over the last year. Uh, that's not in any way because I think it's unimportant. Uh, I just think that the truth is here that there's always been unrest in our world. Sometimes that unrest is closer to home where you can't ignore it. Other times it's in distant lands where it's easy to turn a blind eye to. But the fact is that we live in a fallen world and sin clutches at the hearts of men with what can often feel like impunity. But as a believer in Christ, I believe that the impunity of sin is a, a false and dangerous notion. God is loving and merciful. Yes, that's true. But he is also just. And there is no wrong in this life, I believe, that will go unpunished. And I, I believe that the only respite for sinners is hope and faith in Christ. So with that in view, the unrest and the tragedy of the here and now, everything that we're witnessing, they're put in proper perspective. I, Stephen, am called to love God and to love others well, to have compassion for my neighbor while standing firm in the truth. There's nothing that can separate me from God because he is faithful to his people in trials, in losses, in pandemics, in wars, in the harshest moments of life. And I want to give that hope and assurance to others. I, I want to expose them to the joy that I have in that and being compassionate and loving to others who are going through a hard time. So what's the next three years look like? Uh, at the risk of sounding incredibly boring, I'd like to do more of the same. You know, I, I think feel like this is where you're supposed to talk about all the grand visions that you have for the next three years. But really, I, I've enjoyed the past three years. I, I want to continue to be faithful as a right-hand worker vocationally. I, I love helping others accomplish their visions for occupational success and doing so while being a good example of Christ within the workplace. I want to grow in deeper engagement with our local community here in Arizona, investing personally in the lives of others, growing deeper as a family. Um, I, I want to be faithful to invest the remaining precious years that we have because we don't have many of our, in our young children's lives as they grow and adjust to a world that they're going to be called to be adults in. And I want to be a consistent member of our local church. I want to seek to aid one another and to lighten the loads of others in my life. So there you go. That's an unconventional update of the past three years of my life. Hopefully it won't be another three years <laughs> before my next update, but hey, you never know. 
So with that said, I'll catch you later and hopefully look forward to doing more of this in the near future.